In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to read a passage from this wonderful book, The Thunderbolts of the Ever-Living Fire, which is written by Archimandrite Vasilios of Iberon. Archimandrite Vasilios was a disciple of St. Paisios and has, was an abbot for many decades on Mount Athos at two different monasteries. He says, today there is much discussion regarding various philosophies and what they want man to become, the economic man, the modern man, the postmodern man, pre-modern man, etc. But what is the point of being modern or postmodern when death is waiting to swallow us up? <coughs> what, I am supposed to, what am I supposed to do with the success and happiness that the world wishes and promises me when it does not conquer death? It's like saying to a child, do your work with care and a sense of honor, and you'll build a wonderful coffin, and you will have a splendid funeral. The logic of this world is its own coffin. What am I supposed to do with a success that does not conquer death? Let all the failures come just as long as death is conquered, and this failed life of mine overflows even now with eternity. The point is for death to be transcended, and this is what deification means. Deification is the end and purpose of man's existence. Man has no other reason for existing. In the Gospel today, we see a man who wants to transcend death. He says, what good thing do I need to do to receive eternal life? He wants eternal life. And our Lord has this conversation with him. And he says, if you would enter eternal life, keep the commandments. And he says to him, which? And Jesus proceeds to say all these commandments. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, etc., etc. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And what does the man say? I've done all of these from my youth. Is this true? He thought it was. He thought it was true that he was doing all of these things from his youth. But what our Lord says just a few chapters before in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So did this rich young man not commit murder? According to Christ, no, most certainly he would have. And as far as adultery, it said, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The man, the young man desired eternal life, but his understanding of, of the commandments was shallow. And this is where so many of us are. We really, if we look at ourselves, we say, I'm not that bad. I'm not an, a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not someone who steals. These are the same words as the rich young ruler. And he really believed, I've got that part covered. What else do I need to do for eternal life? 
And our Lord, rather than saying, well, actually, no, you didn't fulfill those commandments, rather than saying that, he cut right to the very heart, right to this man's heart, to be specific. He said, you still lack one thing if you would be perfect. If you want to reach the end, you lack one thing. And then he gave this immense command to him, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And it was too much for the man. What we see is that transformation is required. And the young man was not ready for transformation. He wanted a set of rules that he could feel pretty confident about. He's following them. He's doing fine. He just wanted to sort of check in with the Messiah and find out, is there anything else I need to do? And he got his answer. Because you see, our Lord does not want a transaction. And this is what we so often want. We want to say, okay, God, tell me what I need to do. I'll do that. I give you this. You give me that. Everything's nice and easy. Clean transaction. But this isn't what God offers. God offers transformation. He offers that we become partakers of divine nature. That we become so fully indwelt by God that we become like God. This is what he's offering. And when he says, keep the commandments to the rich young man, he says, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. It's because the commandments, when rightly understood, bring about that transformation. And the commandments, when wrongly understood, are just a set of rules that we all follow to the letter of the law, and then we're good with God. But that isn't what eternal life is about. Eternal life is a lot of intimacy with God. And that intimacy with God is something that must begin in this life. And so Christ offered the rich young man intimacy with him. He said, do all these things, come and follow me. And it was too much for the young man. And then our Lord goes on to say those words about a rich man and entering the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples rightly say, well, who then can be saved? And our Lord says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What is he actually saying in that? If you think about those words, he's saying, we need God. Now that's an obvious statement. What he's saying is, we can't bring about our salvation. It's impossible. We can't. So we need to stop trying to bring about our own salvation. With God, it is possible. And this brings us to what is really at the heart of this gospel, although it's hidden, it's obscured. At the heart of this gospel is repentance. We need to have repentance. Because repentance at its heart is saying, I need you, God. I can't do this myself. I can't fix myself. I can't make myself virtuous. I need you, God. And repentance is when we see our own sins. Because if we can't see our own sins, then we think everything is fine, I'm doing pretty well, and I can just continue along with my life, with my transaction with God. But what we need is repentance. Because repentance is that invitation for God to come in and dwell in us. Yesterday and today we commemorated St. John the Baptist, his beheading. This was the parish's feast day for many years. And St. John famously preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We 
commemorated his beheading, and that's why we have this icon out today. And that's why I'm wearing this uh, festal icon of St. John. I just want to pause for a second and tell you what an amazing saint that we have as our parish saint. St. John the Baptist, as we know, was the greatest born among women. In every Orthodox church in the entire world, you will see John the Baptist right next to Christ. And on the other side of Christ is his mother. St. John the Baptist is the only saint that has as many feast days. you know how many feast days St. John has? Six throughout the year. Six feast days. He's the only saint that has feast days that last more than one day. Today is the second day, the leave-taking of his beheading, and on his nativity as well. He's the only saint that we celebrate his conception and his nativity. He's a wonderful, amazing saint. A little uh, humorous side story about his nativity. And this is a story told secondhand to me that I'm vaguely remembering, so I'll do the best I can. It was someone who was visiting some sort of Slavic country, an Orthodox country. And it was his birthday. He was living there. And so he invited all his friends over from that country to come over and celebrate his birthday. Forgive me, one of you may have told me this story, so I'm, I'm bungling it up. But he invited them over for his birthday, and, and they're all celebrating and everything. And his friend says, what's the celebration? Why are we all here together? And he says, oh, well, it's my birthday. And all of them immediately, they say, who do you think you are? Are you John the Baptist? And then they all left. <laughs> because in Orthodox countries, what do we celebrate? Your feast day, your name day, not your birthday. Whose birthday do we actually celebrate? Christ, his mother, and John the Baptist. That's it. Every other saint, what do we celebrate? We celebrate their birth into eternal life. Not their birth into this life. But St. John the Baptist, such an amazing saint, we celebrate his own birthday, his nativity. We are so very blessed to have St. John the Baptist as our patron saint, and so very blessed to have his relics here in our parish. His presence, that body that was beheaded, that we read in the gospel yesterday, that's the same body that is here in this reliquary. What a blessing. So anyway, continuing with the homily. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was what he preached. And these were actually Christ's first words when he began his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this can always be understood two ways. In one way, repent because the Messiah is here. The Messiah is coming. But also what it means is repent and this is what brings about the kingdom of heaven. We can bring about the kingdom of heaven here on earth right now in our very lives. Through what way? Through repentance. This is how we enter into the eternal kingdom, both in this life and in eternal life. It is the one message of St. John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This message of repentance is so essential for us who desire to be good people, do the best we can, follow all the rules. Repentance is something that is completely different from that. Repentance says, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I only see what I'm doing wrong. Help me. That's what repentance is. True repentance. How many times in the service do we say, Lord, have mercy. I couldn't count it off the top of my head. 
How many times in our prayers do we say this? How many times in our prayer rules do we say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me? Again and again we say these words, and we say these words with this much of depth. And these words need this much of depth. So this is our entire spiritual life right there. Going from this depth to this depth. Because if we stay in this depth, we will be like the rich young ruler. We will stand before God and say, look, I did pretty well. You know, look at my virtue. Look at all the things that I've done. And God, of course, in his mercy will say, well, those are the things I gave you. Your virtue are the things that I gave you. The things that we should be offering to God is not our virtue, but what we're doing wrong. What we're sinning against what we continue to stumble on and stumble on and stumble on. I've described our soul as like this big, abandoned, dilapidated mansion. There are all these different rooms. And these are rooms that we have made off-limits to God. And they're dirty and dusty and dingy, and there's all kinds of sickness inside of them. So our spiritual life is to go into each of the rooms of that mansion and say, here you go, here you are, Lord. I admit this is here. This room over here where I struggle with this sin and I just can't quite get it right, I'm giving this to you. I'm not going to keep saying to myself, oh, I'll try harder. I'll fix this. I'll get better at it. Certainly we strive. We certainly strive. I'm not trying to diminish that. But so often our striving is the extent of our spiritual life. And striving is not what it's all about. Repenting is what it's all about. The greatest thing that we can do for ourselves and for everyone around us is to repent. I return to Archimandrite Vasilios, who I started with. He says, I think the greatest help and the greatest expression of love that we have to give to everyone is to sanctify our own vessel, our own mansion, if you will. This is why when someone repents, he becomes a sign of hope for the whole world. Quote, there is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents from the Gospel of Luke. You have seen how when a forest is destroyed in South America, oxygen is lost throughout the world. If one person repents, if one person receives the grace of God, that's what repentance is, is the receiving the grace of God. He supplies the oxygen of life and hope to the whole world. That's what Archimandrite Vasilios has to say. The oxygen of life and hope to the whole world. This is what we can offer. Because that dilapidated mansion become, can become this radiant thing that is filled with the grace of God. And it doesn't get filled with the grace of God by us simply trying to follow the commandments. The commandments are the vehicle through which we can see, oh, I do have this dirty room here, and I do need to repent of that. And I do have this other one over here. And the rooms keep going on and on and on. And this is why the saints would say they're the worst of sinners, because they keep finding more rooms. When we're just stuck on the first room, we can't even get past that. We don't even want to open the door because we, we're ashamed. We feel sick about ourselves. We hate ourselves about this thing. So we say it's off limits. It doesn't exist. I don't want to talk about it. And this robs us of what God can give to us. My brothers and sisters, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.